0: Welcome. Another dueling questions episode. Grant Westcott's here from ComC. He's going to uh, hit me with some questions. No rehearsal, no practice, no no forewarning. Uh, but I've got the same for Grant. So if he's nice to me, I'll be nice to him. I <laughs> hope we'll have some good questions back and forth. But thanks, sponsors ComC, Grant's employer, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Mile Company, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Heritage Auctions, Tops, Panini Upper Deck. So I'm waiting with a bated breath, Grant, for you to hit me with your first question. That's the format. You do a question, then I do one, then you do one, I do one, till we till we run out of time. Or, or I don't know, we've always just run out of time. I don't know, Nobody's stopped <laughs> off because the question was too tough or something. But I've got a few good ones for you. I'm sure you do for me. So welcome, Grant, and uh, first question.
1: All right, thanks for having me. Let's go. Let's see. The hobby has seen a lot of different card manufacturing trends over the years, like die cuts, autos, rip cards, things like that. And some of them stick, some don't. Are there any that you like in particular that you'd like to see more of? And then second part, what's the wackiest one you ever saw or, or heard proposed to you?
0: I did an episode with uh, Rich about Wildcard, uh, which was a, is a, a now defunct card company. And they had the, the Stripe cards that you could get the regular card. You get a 5, 10, 20, mm-hmm. 50, 100, 500, 1,000, whatever. They had all these different Stripes. And the Stripe cards are really, really tough. And it was so tough that that company went out of business. They probably had to have a warehouse full of uh, all the stuff. What, what I see on the trends is the challenge is, again, I have these card companies that are sponsors. They're, they're, they're sharp people. I, I, I know a bunch of them. And the trends, the, the challenge is to come up with what people want that's not going to break the bank. And so if you're dealing with autographs and game used material, there's not a finite supply, But the, but you're driving the price up with those types of materials, the players don't like to do a whole bunch of autographing. And even though there's tons of jerseys out there, it's just, they're, they're trying to strike that balance. And that's why these other trends are important. Uh, But what happens in our industry, in my opinion, now that I'm retired, is that there's little, it's overdone, overheated. Not just overheated price-wise, but overheated in the sense that the, the rainbow effect of all these different colors and serial numbers—it's it gets to be a bit much. the 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 most avid fans still do, but you know, the this hobby is going to be strong because not just because the super intense collectors, but because there's a br- a breadth and depth of collectors. Again, the comp C serves, so and the car companies are excellent at imitating. You know, if one person does something, they're the other's going to do it too, and and uh, and you know, the secondary market will determine whether they keep doing it. So.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. My question for you, Grant: If Com C had a capacity limitation in the next years, what
1: would it be? So capacity meaning? Meaning capacity of... Of
0: people, cards, storage, database. I'm not expecting you to be Tim, but what do you think the constraint would be to the growth?
1: Right. I mean, I think the thing that we, we're we seeing is a lot of volume, a lot of volume coming in of cards, of consignments. And, uh, you know, it's something that we are, we're hiring right now to to keep up on. I don't know the exact number. I know that we are, we're definitely ramping up our hiring right now. And so if you're out there and you're interested, <laughs> especially if you're in the area, if you're in Washington State, talk to us. But yeah, what I'm seeing is the hobby is really becoming mainstream. It's starting to become mainstream. You know, when I think of the niambes, I think of of it being mainstream, everybody collected or at least knew somebody who did. And uh, so I think that as, as you see that and you see more and more people coming to this, it, it's just going to be that much more successful and that many more people that are consigning cards and, and buying cards. So um, we're, we have a great platform. You don't have to ship it all the time, but you can definitely buy without shipping, but you have to have cards. You have to have supply. And so that's, that's kind of where, you know, where we need to help.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, it's, I, I agree. I think uh, CompC is a very scalable concept, but in case people are wondering. All businesses are people businesses, so mm-hmm. got to have good people. And I think CompC has a backlog, PSA has a big backlog, BGS has a big backlog, and that's sort of good and sort of bad. You cut into the backlog by adding some quality teammates who can put a dent in it. So I hope you guys keep doing that because that would be uh, that would be good for the industry.
1: Your turn. Again. All right. So I wanted to ask you this one: is, is you're kind of not kind of you're the you're the father of the price guide, right? So. So sales to, sales data today is it's much richer and more accessible than ever before. What impact do you think that easy access to actual completed sales data has had on the hobby, good or bad?
0: It, it's It's exacerbated the problem that we had back in my day and that is that that even when something is reputedly uh, completed sales data, you sometimes have to look a little deeper to make sure that it, it's it's legit. you know that, that it wasn't artificially inflated in some way. And so that's the so the fact that it's easier to get raw data, that's a positive. But cleaning up the data and making sure that it's accurate—that's that's, that's mm. been an age-old problem. And but I, I I welcome the fact that a lot of people are trying to tackle it. And uh, again, that's one of the beauties of comp is it's just sitting right there. You know, the the in in my uh, perfect world, uh, everybody would have access to all the data in in ways that it could be. Uh, it's big data you know once you put it all together and and i think my my story if if i'm the father of anything i'm not i certainly was catalytic but it's it just puts in a situation where the hobby was able to grow because there was more organization structure and and kind of understanding of the data and so if this is another boom period and it and along with it is com c and other places where you can kind of see what things are really going for and it's a real sale that's to me very positive so y'all keep up the good work awesome Okay, my question. What's the silver lining for, for ComC with respect to COVID?
1: Ooh, well, so it's definitely silver lining, right? So this is, uh, this is a very difficult and, and if, uncertain time. If your answer is there isn't a
0: silver lining, and I hope that's not the answer, but...
1: No, there, there's okay. an absolute silver lining, but there's okay. a, definitely a, a big cloud too, right? So the big cloud obviously is, is just the, the uncertain times. I think the silver lining that... I don't know if I don't know if anybody could have anticipated this, but just the hobby is booming right now, and I don't know how much of that to attribute to COVID, to people being at home, to maybe cards just getting big at, at the moment. I don't know exactly what the cause is, but I think the silver lining is people have been home; they've been they've had a little bit more uh, time to to shop for cards, look for cards, get in, get involved in cards. Get into group breaks, things like that. That it's just gained a lot of traction right now, and uh, I just hope that you know sports are going to go off as they as planned for the NBA coming up and the the um, Major League Baseball. So we're really excited to see the season uh, and how everything shakes out. But uh, I mean, it's just been basically every day has been Black Friday sales. That's that's the kind of business we're doing now in this time. So I, I guess that's a pretty big silver lining.
0: Yeah, sales are up. <laughs> here, here. That's
1: yeah. Uh, okay, uh, your turn righty. Let's see here. So let's see, this is one. So there's, I know in some of your recent episodes, there's been a lot of talk about grail cards, right? And, and kind of what the definition is and all that. I know for some collectors, a grail card is, is one that they want and that they believe exists, but they've never actually seen it. Do you have any of these for yourself that you, that you believe is out there? So you want it, but you've never actually seen it. Are you saying I have cards that no one has ever seen before? What? Uh, no, not, not you. Cards that you want, not, not the ones that you have. So are there any cards that you're after that you've never seen? Well, uh, Rich Klein and I, you know,
0: for many, many years of the National, would, would circulate through the National Sports Collectors convention. And basically, we would try to buy a, a type card of anything that we hadn't seen or that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And so mainly type cards. And, and so we have a lot of. You know, so I have some stuff in my library that's, I don't know that it's one of a kind, but it, like Rich and I always joke, if we saw one, we bought it. And then we look back and that was 20 years ago. We've never seen another one. So, but those aren't always mainstream cards. What is mm-hmm. catching on with the Grail cards is more the mainstream. Well, they're mainstream, but they're like one per case inserts or, or, mm-hmm. or less frequent. So right. no way you could buy. I mean, it's, people just weren't buying product like that in order to get the chase card that was one per many cases. And so, yeah. So your question was.
1: If there's any cards, if there's any cards out there that you, that you believe exists, you have, you know, a checklist or data or something saying that it's out there and you want it, but you've never actually seen it for yourself.
0: I can't think of anything. I mean, again, not for a specific card, but, you know, so like you were talking about those crusade cards from the 97, 98, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. I never saw them until I saw them. And then, and right. just were and they came out in multiple products. And there's the, the the green and the purple and the whatever. I mean, there's just right, these yeah. different ones. And so I have, I have kind of samples of everything. And so mm-hmm. my goal was to try to have everything so that I could. It's hard to do pricing and and cataloguing of things you've never seen. And so I think Rich and I did a pretty good job of trying to to gather those up. Now again, we weren't trying to corner the market. We just needed one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I wish I'd have bought all I saw, but I never saw that many. So. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think that's one of the things that people coming into hobby can see is that the cards that these grail cards are truly rare. It's not like, Hey, somebody's going to find, come forward with some big stash. Ha ha. No, they they are really tough. And and that's why, you know, otherwise where are the other uh, PMG Michael Jordans, you know, right. green or red, they should be coming out of the woodwork because of this, this huge price.
1: So, yeah, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity sometimes to to acquire some of these for sure.
0: Well, if you, you can't, I mean, again, Rich and I did that. If we saw it, we didn't think, well, hey, we'll think about it and come back on <laughs> you know, it. It's just, you, you got to jump on it. But again, prices were a lot more reasonable back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, 30, 40 years ago. I bought most of the stuff I bought was 45 years ago. So I'm, I'm getting old now. Okay. Uh, probably my last question. We maybe have time for one for you, but my turn. Uh, if you were the czar of the industry for a day, not just the czar of C, but you were the czar of the industry and you wanted to give some Instructions or encouragement or some message you wanted to give to one of my card company sponsors, Tops, Panini, or Upper Deck. What would you encourage them with if you were, you know, king for a day? Because you've seen them, you know they're in a tough environment. You, you're, you know, their their stuff is all over your site. They're putting out new stuff all the time. Is there anything based on your experience with ComC that they should be doing differently or better, in your point of view?
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm, since I'm king for the day, I'm going to have two things here. One of them is, you know, it. one of the things that I've never really seen do all that well in our marketplace, in my own personal collecting, anything like that, is cards, especially autographs or, or game use that has multiple players on it, especially if they're not related to one another. So, you know, I, I was just, I don't even remember who was on the card, which is part of the problem, but I just saw like a triple auto that was on our site. And one of the autos is LeBron, the other two, I don't remember and it just would be so much better card with one autograph on that with it being lebron james so i would i would encourage them to to focus on cards with single subjects and then the last thing is the you know kind of what we were just talking about these grail cards and these i i've personally never been a huge fan of being used or autographs just for my own personal collecting uh they don't do much for me maybe it's just because i'm a product of the 90s but I love inserts, and so when I see things like these color blasts and these stained glass and or stained glass, uh, some of these kinds of cards that are kabooms that are that are out there, very very tough hits, I see Panini's doing them a lot, and and you know you don't want to do too many of them, but I would just encourage all the manufacturers to think of cards in that way, to to kind of think of something fun that's very hard to get, but doesn't doesn't necessarily need to have somebody autograph it or you know requiring a redemption or anything like that some of those value ads are, are the most fun chases for me and and cards that i get excited about so yeah
0: well thanks king grant i think basically your second <laughs> suggestion the, the card companies are hoping that's the case because they, they don't yeah. have to pay extra for the autograph or or for two extra autographs that go on with that mess up lebron's but uh, exactly. time for one last one if you've got a quick one for me
1: all right. It's not an easy one, so I don't know how much time we've got, but you've seen you've seen many ebbs and flows of the hobby over the years. So I, I wanted to know if you had the single biggest threat to the hobby and then the, the biggest opportunity for the hobby. I'm sorry. We are out of
0: time. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think the, uh, the problem is the irrational exuberance that, that, has been, that was talked about in our economy many, many years ago, if that hits into the card, it, it, you can't have sustained growth and irrational exuberance. So if, if there's just normal, rational exuberance, that this is the greatest hobby of all, and there's going to be, like I always say, get rich slow, not expecting to flip, you know, double mm-hmm. your money overnight – uh, mm-hmm. This is a wonderful lifetime hobby and I am out of time now. So I hope I did justice to your excellent questions, Grant. Thanks for being on. Thanks listeners. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man-